I like told her to look at the trees and look at the bushes in our backyard. And I mm. said, do what, what do you notice? Like, is the tree perfectly straight? Does it look the same on all sides? You know, no, it, it goes all over the place. And so I said, it's, and, but is the tree still beautiful? And you say, yeah, it is. And I, well, it's not what we would say is perfect. It's like, and I couldn't use these words with a four-year-old, but in my mind, the words is like, it's asymmetrical. Right, right, right. And and I said, it's the imperfections of the tree that are part of what makes it beautiful. Hello and welcome to Chasing Leviathan. I'm here today with Justin Combs. Uh, Justin is a Catholic theologian and pastoral minister. He holds a master's degree in theology and is currently working on a PhD in spirituality. Uh, he is mainly focused on and been influenced by the Franciscan tradition, and that's what we'll be talking about today. Uh, how can Franciscan spirituality help us live a better life? Uh, Justin, great to have you on the show. All right. Thanks for inviting me, PJ. I'm, I'm excited and uh, excited to get into things and be heady and spiritual and awkward yes. all at the same yes. time. <laughs> um, I, I can really just, uh, I can, I can vibe with, uh, with awkwardness. I like that. The, um, <laughs> so just, uh, you know, I gave a small introduction here. You're also, uh, you co-host the, uh, I'm going to just butcher this, but the Los Nazarenos. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. Los Nazarenos. Los Nazarenos <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um. And so uh, again, with a focus on Franciscan spirituality, uh, talk to us a little bit. You know. Yeah. If you uh, please plug your your podcast. But how did you get interested in oh, Franciscan yeah. <laughs> uh, spirituality, and uh, what what's been your spiritual journey? Um. Yeah. So I guess the. I think as far as for Franciscan spirituality and my own spiritual journey have all been kind of by a, by chance or by like me listening to some sort of intuition for mm. a millisecond and then trusting in, <laughs> in that. Um, so I guess at least the Franciscan part, I, I did my master's in theology at, um, Franciscan School of Theology in San Diego, California. Um, there's two, well, there's another Franciscan university called uh, Franciscan Steubenville okay. in Steubenville, Ohio. Um, this is the other one that people don't know about as much. But, Got it. Um, <laughs> so I, I was kind of at a place in my life where I kind of had two paths before me. Um, my bachelor's degree is in psychology and I worked as a, a mental health counselor for about five years and I was growing and growing more in my, um, my own faith or and spiritual journey. And so I had kind of two choices to keep on going and get a, 
master's in therapy mm-hmm. or to get um, do the master's in theology was just kind of this little idea in the back of my head. And so after some discernment, I came to a place where I felt like I was being called more or less to the theology. And um, so I literally just typed in master's of theology, San Diego, um, cause that's where I was yep. living into Google and for my luck would have it that, uh, the Franciscan school of theology moved from Berkeley, California to San Diego, California a year before. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's go. And we got to make this convenient for so Justin. The, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not moving. I, <laughs> I want to stay in San Diego. And that, but now that's changed now that I'm working on the PhD. I, I moved to Texas to do oh, that. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where are you going for your PhD? Uh, um, Oblate School of Theology. Okay. So another religious order in the Catholic tradition. Okay. Um, but yeah. So the, so it's just, it's Franciscan through and through. And, I like came to see that like at least in my view the Franciscan tradition um at least in the Catholic world gets as close to what I understand living the gospel to be within a religious tradition mm-hmm. um and so I was and it made the most sense to me too is it, it wasn't I didn't have to jump through extreme logical hoops to be on board with stuff or like there wasn't things that were like overtly objectionable that I was like, Oh no, I can't. Yeah. I'm not on board with that. It it all just made sense. Mm. Um, and, and then also just maybe it might help for <laughs> about me. Like I, I think I tend to be a little cavalier, and I think the Franciscans are a little cavalier within the Catholic world that a lot of the theological positions they hold are minority views within the like corpus of doctrines, um, not not a heret- heretical yeah. views, but just minority views. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. Um, so uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm good. What a. Uh, <laughs> Can you give a uh, list, maybe some of those things, uh, maybe detail what attracted you uh, besides, you know, just a more cavalier <laughs> attitude towards theology? Yeah. Um, they, I mean, there's certain things I think. Um, and, and I'll like elaborate on this um, as we go on, but just kind of a, a view, kind of an, an integral view of all of the created order Hmm. um like looking it looking at um i don't know and and this is gonna sound very franciscan or or very that's why you're here that's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) just like looking at a tree or anything within nature and not necessarily putting humanity above it um, and, and understanding that even that thing that each of these individual things within creation are also created by God mm. and that they have, re- that there's respect due to them because of that. Um, so there's that, 
there's some more um <laughs> some more crazy things like um understanding why god became human i think the traditional view is um that god became human to die for our sins because adam and eve mucked things up yeah um the and so kind of a, there's a thread within the franciscan tradition that says um it kind of poses the question what if humanity had never sinned and so then would God still have become incarnate in Jesus Christ if humanity never sinned? Mm. Um, and the Franciscans and even others of other traditions uh, say, yes, he still would have because that it was always God's intent to become human or to be one with creation as much as possible, which kind of moves things from um, having to fix the mess that humanity has made to eternal love no matter what um yeah so that's one of them and, and there's fancy a fancy word for that it's supralapsarianism <laughs> yeah i think and, and i and i think calvin has used that word too but he means something different by it so i don't mean what calvin means <laughs> um isn't that the anyways. worst it's like like nothing like having a very technical word and it means two different things anyway so it's like why yeah, you, yeah. why did you do this to us yeah yeah um so that's one of them and then like i said um a few minutes ago just it's just seems so in line with mm. what's found in the gospels mm. like i'll I'll jokingly slash non-jokingly call Francis of Assisi Jesus 2.0. Like he just, he just got it. And the tradition that flows from this one man's spirituality just gets it. Um, maybe hasn't always gotten it throughout the centuries, but usually in my estimation hits the nail on the head pretty well. When you try to say like, what, what does Christianity look like at its best when it's not bogged down by politics or other forces in the world? Um, when it's just as authentic as we can get it, which is very hard to do. And I think the Franciscan tradition does that better than others might at certain times, but they're all, they're all okay. Yeah. Um, I just like the Franciscans the best. I'm biased. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, got your masters there. Um, so if you could give us, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about Francis of Assisi. Uh, are there any like stories that especially draw you to him? Are there any, uh, is there any history there that mm -hmm. you're just like, that's the stuff that makes me want to be Franciscan. Um, yeah, there's a, a the, the one that's coming to my mind first, and it's a later story of his is um, his encounter with um, the sultan in Egypt. Uh, I'll butcher his name, but Malik Al-Kamil, I think. And it was in the middle of the Crusades and Francis like snuck behind enemy lines and his intention was to convert the sultan or either do that or be martyred. Like he's like, I'm going on this journey to be killed. I don't care. Um, but that's not what happened. Yeah. Like he ended up having a truly like human encounter mm -hmm. 
and coming to a realization that this this man who like the supposedly Christian army is trying to kill is a very holy man. Mm. And um, so that's one of the things that's uh, always stood out to me is just this radical ability to encounter the other, whether it be someone of a different faith, someone uh, like there's the stories of him ministering to lepers and the poor of all walks of life. Um, and yeah, so th those are some of the, that's the first one that comes to mind. I can um, see why. And then, if, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's kind of some of his writings also stand out. And, and I even, I marked off like his canticle of creation. Um, so that's, that's something that's always been very, um, when you dig into it, it's very influential. Um, trying to think of another explicit story about Francis that's um well, what there's go ahead. oh yeah i was yeah. just gonna say while oh, you're yeah. thinking about it i i would like to ask um because i like to read books but i often find myself uh getting bogged down and just like getting buried how long is the canticle uh -huh. of uh, creation it's 14 verses i think oh <laughs> so so yeah, this is the kind of thing you could read and be like well i've read francis of assisi's canticle of creation and people are like wow yeah 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 so a good yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it took you two minutes yeah. <laughs> awesome yeah so um, we'll definitely include a link yeah. to i'm sure we can find that online then yeah. oh yeah you just I'll include a you link just type it in under and the podcast goes. yeah that's that's really cool yeah and and like i mean this is the complete works of francis and claire and it's like 250 pages See, to so me it's... that's like you know, I, I really like um soren kierkegaard uh and uh -huh. but the man did nothing but write and it's like you know <laughs> it's so volumes yeah, upon it's volumes just, it's like yeah. you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of pages and it's like it's intense right um so uh that's that's refreshing yeah yeah and francis wasn't he was not a scholar he wasn't like the the people who followed him like you have i think saint anthony is a popular figure you pray to him when you lose stuff or whatnot um but like who so saint anthony was like this theologian and great preacher but francis was just a very like had a very practical maybe not practical spirituality yeah. he was pretty extreme sometimes but um yeah he's straightforward he wasn't like but he had just these deep deep insights about the divine about humanity and about creation that uh, were amazing um I, so i remembered two of those sure. other stories yeah. um so and these ones are pretty pithy but um like one would be i think he had cataracts and this is the 13th century and so how they helped you with cataracts was they got like a metal rod just red hot and scraped your eyeballs and so francis is about to undergo this procedure and he's starts to bless the fire that's heating up this thing that's about to go into his eye. And he's like, and he's grateful for the fire. Um, and then 
I think that just, it just yeah. takes a totally different perspective on life to be like, this thing's going to be terrible. It's, it's not like they're going to knock him out. He's going to be awake. And he's, he's stoked yeah. on it. He's like, yeah, yeah, come. The fire is beautiful. The fire's going to help me. Um, and, and I think we, we also can't remove Francis from his context. There was some, we would, some of his practices would definitely be problematic today of like, just um, kind of extreme penitential things like bodily harm, like self-flagellation, like, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he exactly did that, but he was. He did some things that were like not. We would be like, no, that's, that's not cool today. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, we can leave that off the table. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, that's the nice thing then, about. Uh, I mean, even reading, even reading scripture, it's like. Uh, nobody's perfect right like <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not cutting off my hand when it sins yeah. yeah i don't think that was the point of the passage yeah uh, yeah um and then one of the last things that i and i usually use this in my own kind of um when i do spiritual um accompaniment mm. or whatnot the that near towards the end of his life Francis um I think like the the friars that were following him and the order was probably pretty big by this point and he said they want to be like him they're like how how do we do what you do and and he says and I think this is a wonderful insight mm -hmm. that um can be helpful in everyone's own personal journey whether it's whether you're religious or spiritual or not and he said it was basically don't be like me like what what god needed me to do i've done now you need to go and do what god needs you to do so it's comes to this like god is calling us as individuals to be ourselves within the mission that we're called to not to i don't have to be just like francis i can be myself and do the work um, instead of trying to like destroy my own personality yeah. <laughs> to like to fit into this box. It's almost like it's almost like Francis is saying there is no box. Yeah. Um, just so that's um, that's always an insight that I've always loved. And I find helpful even in counseling others in their spiritual journeys. I would too. imagine so. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of pressure to conform and being mm -hmm. and helping people. Um, that was a, a huge thing for me. I uh, I've shared this numerous times on different podcasts uh, here and elsewhere. But uh, I'm the kind of person who if I, I have to think through something to the end. So my wife laughs at me like if some like stuff will keep me up and I will pace the kitchen floor mm -hmm. like for like two or three hours. Um, just talking to myself basically thinking through an issue. And when I was younger, I didn't understand why other people could just like leave something alone. And so mm -hmm. it may, immediately made me think, is there something wrong with me or is there something wrong with them? And what, what's wonderful about what you just shared is no, no, it's they, <laughs> other people get a yeah. good night's rest so that they can actually accomplish mm -hmm. things while you're, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I've been gifted to do other things. All right. And that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Um, 
you, you, you mentioned the uh, focus on creation and how that's unique yeah. uh, to Franciscan uh, spirituality. Um, what, and that seemed to be important to you and being attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Is that something that came from your childhood? Did that come from being a therapist? Did that come from just showing up at this master's and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this, this Franciscan thing's pretty cool. How did that start? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I would, I think it's the through line from what I had already believed about the world and maybe not like, and in, because today, like I think very differently than I did maybe five to 10 years ago. Um, so I think it was really a development within being just entrenched in the Franciscan tradition mm. and, being taught by friars and seeing the world through this different perspective that there was a through line from what I already understood, um, kind of as religious convictions Mm. and having kind of a, um, a deep appreciation for scripture and seeing like it's all connected and it's not, um, it's not something that I can ignore. I can't ignore like, um, I can't ignore my, as Francis would put it, my sister water or brother tree Mm. or sister rock (laughs) brother bird in the air. Like it, it just makes so much sense. So it, I don't think it was necessarily something that was there. I I think if you would have sat me down in my mid twenties and been like, what do you think about the world or what do you think about created order? And I would have been on board and like, yeah, we should protect the world. Like that's cool. But I wouldn't have had like a strong, I wouldn't have had like a strong conviction other than like an intellectual assent to it. Um, So I think it really developed through being within the Franciscan tradition. Yeah. I re- and I, again, just something I really appreciate. It is fascinating how many Christians I've talked to of all sorts of denominations, uh, churches, whatever, um, who will do exactly that. They'll say, yeah, it's important to me, but it doesn't, it doesn't really inform. It's like a, it's like a side accessory piece to their faith mm-hmm. when it's very clear when you look at Genesis, like that was kind of the original thing. Right. Like that was the original. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we weren't the first things cre- created according to the narrative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And so uh, and I think that, you know, as we face um, uh, climate change and all these other like these questions of, uh, you know, plastic in the ocean and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, uh, it kind of it, it feels almost like a, a good time to shine a spotlight on uh, Franciscan spirituality. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure that comes up for you quite a bit. Yeah. 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 I actually, while you're speaking, what came to mind is even in uh, John's prologue in the gospel of John and the verse 14 and the word became flesh and the, the word flesh or sarks in Greek 
it does not translate to and the word became a person. Yeah. It translates better to the word became the stuff which which with which creation is made out of. Like that's the implication. It's not just humanity, it's no entering the created order. And so it's like Jesus's own or Christ into Jesus, however you want to yeah, without yeah, yeah, super yeah. technical. Yeah, without getting um, <laughs> right, right. Well, I can I, so let's circle back to something you said and it, just to continue yeah. this line of thought. Um, you know, you mentioned the super lapsarian. Uh I don't know that you uh, you exactly explained so yes, God always intended yeah. for Jesus to become mm-hmm. human. Why? Why was that important? And I think that leads kind of into what you're talking about here. Yeah, um, I think it's a, and this comes from a, um, at least the person who, there's many a lot of theologians who have done this over the past thousand years, or even going back to the early church. Um, that, but the one that I've mainly focus on is a Franciscan theologian, uh, named John Dunn Scotus. And he kind of, one of his points, and I think it's a good jumping off point is that it's an absurdity to claim that the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the cosmos, God becoming um, part of that cosmos, hmm. like in an, in an explicit way that it's an absurdity to say that that event hinges on humans being bad, that the greatest good of all time cannot come from one of the worst things of all time. I, I, that's a very simple way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes sense though. Like it, it's, it, yeah, uh, I'm not sure of the, the logic of it, but the rhetorical effect is powerful. Yeah. 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 And, make, and I, 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 I would have had to prepare for 10 hours to <laughs> get the, to get the whole thing put together. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, um, definitely um, just that idea that, um, you know, and this is something that matter is inherently good because it's, it's a good mm-hmm. gift from God. And that in, when Christ came down, it's not just that he saved mankind, but that he reaffirmed the goodness of matter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then also there's kind of a, this is a little more um, maybe out there, but it's like, kind of this idea that God does not, and this is still related to the super lapsarian thing that God, God doesn't work in order. Like the, the idea of God being eternal, being outside of time that, so that way, therefore like our perception of time, like we're seeing chronological events, which may not be the way that God's perceiving it. And so that the first, like, maybe and i'm i'm riffing a bit here but maybe before like um creation ever began like the very first idea in god's mind is the second person of the trinity will become part of this Mm. so that's the and i think um i don't know if this is pulled from scotus where wherever i'm getting it from it it's it's not original from me but that um you you love or you love things by becoming what you love Mm. 
And so for God to be, of course, like we say, God is love. So for God, the best way for God to love us is to become us. Um, can you, can you expound so on that, that a little bit more? Because <laughs> uh, why is it that if we love something, we become like that thing? Um, I, the best, at least the first analogy popping off of coming out of my yeah. head is maybe like um, being in a relationship with someone mm-hmm. like we we kind of start to like the things that they like. Um, not always true. And my my wife loves pop music. I love classic. Rock, but, um, <laughs> uh, there's no helping some people. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she doesn't like Marvel and that's sacrilegious. To me, but that's OK. We make it work. Um, anyways, so but I think maybe another good th- analogy is like a hobby. Yeah. Like um, I I'm a musician. I love to play guitar. Mm. So I. I put everything or when I was younger, I put everything of myself into playing the guitar. Um, so that kind of by way of analogy, that's um, that your passion for something transforms you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so it's, a, it's only, if, I think maybe a more, uh, I don't even know if metaphorical is the right word, but like we can only tangibly do it so far as human beings. But in God's case, like, no, I can, I'm going to change matter and become you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah. So for SCOTUS, this, the incarnation is the very first idea of God within the created order. Hmm. Um, and, and there's also, I, I hope I don't butcher this, but, there's kind of a um, seeing redemption and salvation not as the same thing that um, t- two two sides of the same coin, um, but that and I'm going to get I've, I'm probably going to get this backwards, but like um, creation would have had to always always needed to be redeemed to be kind of lifted up to a, um, or like divinized or Christified, mm-hmm. um, to become more like Christ, more like God. Um, and then, so that would be that the incarnation would always happen. If it, that Christ would always have this work to lift creation up to the divine. Mm. Um, and then the salvation part is like a circumstance of our doing that. Like yeah. we made it to the point where it's like we mucked things up and had to um, needed that need of salvation along with the redemption that was always coming. Um, I think there's another that's fancy word of recapitulation that Paul uses, like bringing everything back to God. Uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, we're talking about Romans eight, the whole um, Mm -hmm. all of creation is groaning, right? Like, yeah, uh, uh, waiting for us to basically get our crap together as human beings, Um, which, you know, in a lot of ways uh, resounds more than ever as we try and figure out what we're we're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Are there any unique practices to Franciscan spirituality 
Um, I know you mentioned a little bit about friars and poverty and Mm -hmm. maybe it's not unique, but maybe there's a specific uh, emphasis on the, the more practical side of the Franciscan spirituality. Yeah, I think the, um, the seeing, seeing the gospel through the lens of radical poverty is Hmm. probably one of the more defining aspects that when Francis read the gospels, he saw Jesus as a homeless person wandering the countryside preaching. And so he's like, I'm going to be a homeless person wandering the countryside preaching and helping those in need. Um, And so this emphasis on poverty as kind of not only like a physical poverty, but also reflecting Christ's own poverty through the incarnation, like coming back to, um, I think it's, um, in Philippians, the like, and he emptied himself becoming a servant and a slave unto the cross. And I, I not paraphrasing of course, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about (laughs) the God of all creation becoming a baby, you know, that's most people consider that a step down. And then uh, yep. submitting himself to death uh, for our sake, but also for the sake of the whole world. And that's that kind of for the whole world is kind of what we're emphasizing here. Yeah. And and so the this emphasis on poverty, I know for the friars mm-hmm. like they. Um, I've heard good examples of um, friars who like did their formation like in the 60s and every single thing they had even a book they had to like write in the cover for the simple use of like i i don't even possess this thing i only am using it as a tool um so that notion of poverty in all its forms i think is probably what's most characteristic there's other religious orders that do their vow of poverty but i think it's more explicit in the franciscan tradition um as far as like other like practices that there's not much outside of just like what is um if you're being a a lay person i guess in this um because i i i can't become a friar according to the uh, at least i can become a secular franciscan there's like a bunch of different little um aspect or corners to franciscanism where like a married person can become a a third order franciscan or the first order the guys you see in the brown habits um that's out the door for me at this point um yes because yeah because you're married yes <laughs> yeah With yeah two exactly kids. so didn't make, but that's yeah. awesome <laughs> and so it, then it at that point it becomes more of like I guess trying to live that as best I can. And I, and I, there's times when I sit up at night and be like, man, I am not doing this radical, radical poverty thing very well. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if it, so I think some of it becomes more, at least for me at this point in my life, it's like kind of the internal working of following that spirit of, the Franciscan tradition and um, 
But yeah, I'm trying to, there is another thing that came to mind about practices. I, I think in the friaries, you would see more of the practices. And, yeah. Um, and the, another aspect of it is like the itinerant preaching. Like it's, it's not like um, there's like Benedictines or Trappist monks where um, you go to the monastery and you just do your life is the monastery. Yes. But the Franciscan tradition, among other, like there's, the Benedict, not the Benedictines, the um, Dominicans are like this too, where they go out. Yeah. And so it's like their ministry is out to the world to preach mm. the gospel. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, actually, you know, I think a good segue here, well, mentioned your two kids in passing. What would you say mm -hmm. uh, have you found to be the pedagogical, uh, the parenting value uh, of Franciscan spirituality with your kids? Mm. I think this was uh, one of the best ones was uh um just like little kids get upset when things break. Um mm. and I remember looking at um so we in our backyard like we had some little pavers and one of the pavers cracked in half and my daughter was just and she was probably four years old and she was just bawling about this paver being cracked in half and then i and this is this is like the highlight of me as a dad yeah. like yeah that's okay that's okay a, we can you can be yeah. the hero of the story that's fine yeah 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 the the, time, the times you always dream of like when this situation happens i'm gonna sit my kid on my knee and i'm gonna do this and it, that only happens like one percent of the time yeah so this is one of those one percent times yep. um so i just called her over and i said I like told her to look at the trees and look at the bushes in our backyard. And I mm. said to what, what do you notice? Like, is the tree perfectly straight? Does it look the same on all sides? Like, no, it, it goes all over the place. And so I said, it's, and, but is the tree still beautiful? And you say, yeah, it is. I'm like, well, it's not what we would say is perfect. It's like, and I couldn't use these words with a four-year-old, but in my mind, the words is like, it's asymmetrical. Right, right, right. And, and I said, it's the imperfections of the tree that are part of what makes it beautiful. Hmm. And so the imperfection in your paver that's cracked in half, well, that crack is what's making it beautiful. I, I think I gave her the, like her brother colored in um, one of her coloring books. And I was like, oh, but, but look, he he colored on the inside of my favorite Bible. <laughs> and but now every time I open up my Bible, I get to think about your brother. Um, so that's a very yeah, that, I, that feels like a, a fire that's about to scorch my eyeball moment. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm impressed that that's how you, you view that moment. I have a six, four and yeah. six year old. And um, yes, I had a. Forty dollar comic book that my four year old that oh, no. I, yeah definitely decided to color in, and it wasn't just on the white inside pages. I was just like, okay, <laughs> yes. So yes, I can yeah, see yeah. the even in your response. There, there's the those stories are coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so is it? I think that was um to to be able to get her from a young age and it's i know i'm gonna have to teach her this lesson for 
maybe the rest of her life but yeah to it, because i it's not like i do it perfectly either it's that was my thought my too colored, like, i cry yeah, over yeah, broken yeah. things like <laughs> yeah 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 when my son colors on the walls like i just painted that wall but um and <laughs> yeah so i'm but just to get her to like slow down and be like it's actually the things that we think are that make us imperfect are probably mm. actually what make us perfect. Mm. And I, and this is kind of, so I tried to explain that in a four year old way, but it was that beauty is asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like look at the way the, that the created order just looks, just observe it. And it's, it does all kinds of crazy things. It takes twists and turns and like we say it's beautiful. So why can't we reflect that and how we understand other things to be beautiful as well? So awesome. Um, I'd like to take one uh, major detour, not wrapping up per se, but just like uh, mm-hmm. one last part of the conversation that I'd really like to to talk to you about. And you, you mentioned this earlier that you don't have to be, uh, you, you gave a story and said, you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate the truth of this. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some, what's, what are some universal takeaways? What can Franciscan spirituality offer to today's culture that are good as critiques and good as solutions? Yeah, I, I think one of them is this idea of, beauty as kind of the gateway to the divine and Mm. in maybe you can substitute divine if if you're not even a religious person you could substitute divine with um beauty as the gateway to enlightenment i'm not sure um (laughs) to goodness maybe even yeah yeah and to be able to and, and not just beauty as in a physical sense but even beauty as like our actions like Mm. is is what i have done a beautiful thing um and just and then maybe we i'll just list off a couple of these and we can come back and go deeper but um kind of and i think i've been alluding to this but the interrelatedness of all creation i think there's no getting even if someone's an atheist, they still have not gotten away from the um, kind of Western puritanical idea that the world is ours to exploit. Yeah. Like, like you don't have to be religious to. Yes. You don't have to be religious to misinterpret Genesis chapter one. Um <laughs> And yeah. so this this idea of like the interrelatedness of all of creation or nature, the entire cosmos, um, that you are dust and to dust you shall return there. You are atoms and to atoms you shall return. Mm. Like we are, everything is interrelated. Um, and we as human beings are called not to dominate it, but to be stewards of it um stewards not masters yeah yeah to it's like i I maybe maybe the giving tree is a good example i don't know i 
Whenever I think of Shel Silverstein, I just think of uh, Alec Baldwin saying Shel Silverstein was a communist. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, my mom used to read that book to me when I was a kid, and I read it to my kids. I had no idea that there was this whole ongoing communist slander <laughs> that was so out of that field for me one that you mentioned that book because i haven't thought about that book in years and two that alec baldwin <laughs> yeah it, it well it's him playing his character on 30 rock okay it, got it's, it yeah it's nevertheless hilarious <laughs> it's like, but I, I think of the giving tree it's like the I don't know. Maybe the giving tree is not a good example. The more I think mm. of it, the boy just exploits the tree, but the tree is there for it. The tree, but that might be, that might be the thing is like nature is here to provide for us. And therefore we should also provide for it. Mm. Like, I mean, it's, it's as simple as oxygen and carbon dioxide. Yeah. Like if we don't have the plants to give us oxygen, we're dead. Like it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> Yeah. Um, In a larger system, the consequences can take longer. But if all you do is take, there are consequences. Yeah. It might seem great at first, but I mean, whether that's in relationships uh, with other people, uh, whether it's family, business, if all you do is take, it will eventually catch up with you. And I think we're just applying yeah. that. Yes. To, to our relationship to, with nature. Way. Yeah. 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 And, then, and then the last one I, I think is um, just humility. Like, Mm. Francis of Assisi was a radically humble person mm. and I think we we can't appreciate beauty we can't appreciate our interrelatedness with humanity and with the rest of creation um, if we're not humble like if if we're always putting ourselves above or thinking we're the best and, and I think that's something that can that transcends religious thought mm. um that and i i think there can be you can take humility maybe to an unhealthy extreme i think but i mean anyone can make an argument for anything yeah. for unhealthy <laughs> extremes um but just to be able to like not a humility that like says i am crap yeah um not not a not a lutheran humility where we're just pieces of poop covered in snow um <laughs> but is that the an actual lutheran that, quote it sounds like an actual uh, lutheran quote it it is <laughs> <laughs> people don't realize how crassy like some people yeah my my man oh. luther was pretty crass yes but yeah short sh short tangent yeah like, in uh <laughs> Good. In the in the because the Bible is crass too, not just the violent parts, yes. but like the there's uh when Elijah is facing off with the prophets of Baal and he's taunting with them. Yes. And the, this is my old testament professor tell told me it's like actually the part where it's like maybe he's busy and can't come to answer your prayers. Like Elijah's actually saying, maybe he's on the toilet or maybe yes. he's taking a crap. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what the Hebrew says. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I digress. No, no, it's true. humility. Yeah. The more you study the Bible, the more you're like, oh, it seems a little different from the church I grew up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, but go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I think none of it's possible without humility. We can't, even if it's as simple as 
for a moment putting someone mm. before ourselves. Um, I think you can't have an unhealthy, another way to put it, you can't have an unhealthy ego. Yeah. Um, well, that just wants to dominate. <laughs> and you mentioned the unhealthy aspects of it, you know, the Lutheran one. Um, do you think what kind of, because you mentioned this in passing before, do you think kind of what guided St. Francis of Assisi's humility uh, was that it was coupled with radical uh, gratitude? Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, would be a really good way to, a good lens to look at it through because he definitely looked at all of everything around him and was thankful for it. I'm just thinking of the I mean, fire, the, the fire thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that definitely Even, keeps things balanced in some ways, I think, but um, continue. Yeah. yeah. And, and Francis wasn't always a humble person. Like he started off life as he like wanted to be a knight and wanted to be some famous troubadour in Italy and, get all the girls and all the money. Um, and then, so he wanted to be a rock star basically. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) And and then like he was in, I, I may not be getting this all correct, but he was in a battle and like got thrown into prison for a year and that Mm. changed his life. And then he renounced his entire way of life. Mm. Um, and, and that's why I like come back to like, Francis got it when he when he read the Gospels, he understood what like what was the overarching message. Yeah. Um, And humility was a part of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as we kind of wrap up here, I want to ask that you leave uh, two things for our audience. One is if they want to know more about Francis of Assisi, uh, if they want to know (laughs) more about Franciscan spirituality, where are some good places to start? And then uh, if you yeah. if you could just leave with some last words of encouragement and just uh, like what's a lesson that uh, anyone could take away today. So, yeah, uh, where's a good place to start? Uh, I think we, we said earlier the Canticle of Creation, uh, yes. also known as the Canticle of Brother Son. Um, uh gosh i will definitely put that underneath the podcast i mean yeah, anytime yeah. it's like hey it's you can read in two minutes and feel educated that's that's a win in my book so um so at least in the u.s there's a um it's called franciscan media hmm. so if you're looking for things to consume that are in like the the angle of the franciscan order um, Franciscan media is a good place to start if you're just looking for books. Yeah. Um, because sometimes reading, if you just read up straight up, read Francis, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, what's what's he talking about? Because you don't know that the thing you're reading, he's writing to the first thirty people in the order or something like that. Got it. Yeah. Um, so that you'll get like if you're looking for books or. They send daily meditations out to your email. Um, those are a good way. Uh, this just comes to mind. There's a book called Eager to Love. Hmm. that, And that is um, by a Franciscan priest named Richard Rohr. Um, he's pretty popular. But Eager to Love is kind of his like compendium of this is what Franciscanism is. Hmm. Um I think kind of 
parting words of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it just comes back to just I before I was a religious person, um my axiom was don't be a jerk <laughs> and extending that to don't be a jerk, not only to other people, but don't be a jerk to everything around you. Like um, hmm. just kind of recognizing the inherent dignity in everything, the yeah. inherent dignity, not only in every single person, but in every single tree, blade of grass, stone on the sidewalk the inherent dignity of every single atom in the universe hmm. and to kind of if you can put if you can see the world through that lens um it helps to be more patient i know um our our modern context in the u.s is fraught and divisive um and i think being able to look at every person and everything through a lens of inherent dignity um, might help. Yeah. Oh, it definitely <laughs> steer, would steer away from maybe some of our um, vitriolic nature in the current world. But um, yeah, that that's kind of what comes to mind as a way to, a practical way to do this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, that's just, uh, that obviously resonates with me. That's kind of what I want from this podcast, the idea of listening to others, because mm. I know that other people have just as rich of an inner life as I do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're not an object, right? Like you're a person. Yeah. Right. And, and what I love about what you've been saying today is that that, extends even to creation it extends to mm -hmm. nature that we we need to give uh vitality and life to nature and not view it as something that we can box in and yeah. and master and dominate but instead something that we should be uh stewarding and serving and that's uh that's that's a really uh powerful challenge so thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show today really appreciated it this has Abs been awesome absolutely yeah, thanks, PJ. It was a pleasure. <laughs>